House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Martino is back from his uh, his uh, his flash dance tour. <laughs> flash dance, yes, yeah, flash dance in yeah. 4K. 4K and 4K steelbook. I I went down the Best Buy to get oh, it. God, how much did you pay for something like that? Um, it was probably I don't know, 25. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, so why 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 would you do that? Why wouldn't I do that? I told you that's not a movie that's... for a man. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah, I'm not talking about whether it's great or not. But <laughs> not. I'm just saying that I, I don't know too many. Well, I know quite a few guys that would run and get it. They probably order it. But uh, I mean, <laughs> but you don't like it when I when I watch manly movies. Well, no, I don't care. But I just don't <laughs> I understand why you spend money. You go out and buy. You must have the worst collection ever. I do. You know, like Rocky and then Flashdance. Yes, Flashdance. Roadhouse. I get Roadhouse in 4K. Roadhouse. Oh, my God. Exorcist 3. Do you have the Walker Texas Ranger series on DVD? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, but that's on TV every day. Yeah, so you don't have Multiple to. Multiple times. When no. they take it off, then you will, I'm sure. Yeah. They had some, you know, Chuck Norris 4K videos, you know, movies. I, I definitely get them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's some fun movies. Yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, I don't like how you can see all the the real characters, you know? Like Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, cuz it's so it's so clear that you can tell when uh Jennifer Beals isn't there and her her dance double is <laughs> yeah, but he's standing yeah. in. That wrecks it. Yeah. You know, the fantasy. The fantasy he's, is gone. Even though you know in the back of your mind she's not really <laughs> doing that, but it's kind of fun to think you know, while you're watching the movie, not to, not to. See, it yeah. kind of forces you to realize, well, who's this woman? Yeah, exactly. The end dance number, they didn't even try. It's like watching Star Trek in HD and, you know, all the, uh, the stunt doubles, they don't even try to make them look like, you know, Kirk or Spock. And yeah. when Kirk was wearing a beard once, not Kirk, I, I should say, I would, when Spock was wearing a beard once in the mirror dimension, his stunt double did not have a beard. Yeah. They didn't, get, you know, and they, nobody could see it, you know, smaller TVs and... Right, right, well, the old days. Well, you know, right. and and um, now the reason you got the Flashdance 4K and, and do the review, but you just want people to know that you were the one, you were the stand-in double for Jennifer Beals. stand-in double, yeah, of and course. you did all the dances yes. there, right? That's I must the have. Yeah. <laughs> I was 13 at the time. Yeah. Well, at least it, you would have been the right size. Size, yeah. No, actually, I think I was 12. Perfect. I was 12 years old when I saw that film. That's an R-rated movie. Disgusting. Scarred me for life. Well, yeah, no wonder you're the way you are. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe that they would, your family would take you to a movie like that. Yeah, my aunt and my grandmother took me. Sin. And grandma, yes, too, true. right? Yes. Totally yes. different generation. Absolutely. My God, you think they would have had the vapors and take you out? I, I, don't, I don't think they knew what they were getting into. They didn't know what they were watching. <laughs> they didn't know where they were. Exactly. Oh, terrible. <laughs> now, speaking of people that don't know where they are, we've got a guest. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a new book out, and it's called uh, Death Before Coffee, which kind of sounds like 
drinking. If you're drinking Dave's coffee, you'd have to have Jerry's coffee. But yes. So, Mr. Desmond P. Ryan, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you very much. But wait, wait a minute. Jennifer Beale had a stand-in for the dance, remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh well, I, I need to have a break. I'm sorry. I, I give me a minute. <laughs> well, you know, but you were a cop. You wouldn't watch a movie like that. Oh my goodness! I, I, when that movie came out, I remember watching it, and I was so in love with Jennifer Beale. Oh my God, I was so in love with her. I oh. think she, I think she knows. So I don't think I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. <laughs> oh, we, you were we stalking just, her. Well, no, I, I think it was mutual. She just didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know who she loved. But no. I, you know, we've we've since that we've sorted it out. It's not awkward anymore. No. Well, maybe you were really in love with Dave. He was doing all the stand-ins. For yeah, her. that must have been it. Right. They just showed her face. But well, now he was, I'm questioning. Body. I'm questioning now. Yeah. Because yeah. really, I, it was it was all about the dancing. I mean, that was that movie was all about the dancing. Well, yeah, and he yes. did it all. He did all the and dancing. Did, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I, they, I, you know, yeah. yeah, he even had the, the little, the, you know, he, um, when he dropped the water on him, you know, that was him. Yeah. You know, got all wet and shook his head. Wow. Pretty you know, you, you learn something every day. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder people love this show. If someone asks you. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say. learning something. If people ask you, what, I wonder whatever happened to these stand-ins, you know, that do these big movies. Now you know. They end up on a <laughs> two-bit <laughs> radio <laughs> show. <laughs> That's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Not much. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Used to be the day where they drove him around in a limo, you know. Yeah. People yeah. asked for his autograph and <laughs> and now I sorry, I'm I'm just still I'm I'm just seeing that dance number again. I'm I'm just so just talk amongst yourselves. No. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one, Al. I didn't I didn't know one guy. Well, I mean I knew several guys, see, but I was in that mixed crowd. I was hanging out with a lot of the gay men and, and that and in my job and then I went to a lot of rock concerts with straight men and I couldn't think of one of those guys that would say, Let's go to Flash Dance during the Van Halen concert. Like I just <laughs> Well, no, no, you you never said let's go to Flash Dance. <laughs> if yeah, and, and you know, now that I'm much older I feel I can own some of these things, but I yeah, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, I didn't know any. You know, everybody I worked with was all, oh, I've seen it six, six times and all this, and it was a good big deal. <laughs> you know, so I had to get my nails done and run out and see it because I felt left out. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of think about this. You know, not one of those guys asked me to go to the movie with them. And they were going wow. six, seven, eight times oh. to the same movie, and they didn't think once to say, hey, why don't you come? It's like, oh, dear, this is really, you know what? This is really awkward, isn't it? Yeah, well, (laughs) that's all right, because I'm not around them anymore, so, but it's really devastating. I guess I was really a hated child, you know, (laughs) in in all aspects. Everybody hated me, you know. And look at you now. And look at me now. They they, they hate me now, but in public. (laughs) (laughs) What do we know? Yeah, they can do it on on social media now. I'm hearing Shirley MacLaine singing "If They Could See Me Now." That's your song. Al. Yeah. That's your song. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that wasn't exactly it for me, but that's okay. <laughs> you know. Um. So listen, what what is going on with you, uh, Desmond? Here you are. You're you're writing "Death Before Coffee." So how does someone how how does someone die before they even have their coffee? I know, right? It's uh, 
Actually, I, I wrote this book while I was still a police officer, and I originally called it Three Days. And I thought that was a great title. It's gritty. It's got all that stuff. And I could not get an agent or a publisher to look at it. I guess, I guess it was just too sublime. And so I realized that what happens, uh, I mean, obviously there's death and coffee. And so I wanted to tie them in together. And it just kind of seems every time uh, my, my, my main guy, my protagonist, Mike O'Shea, goes to get a cup of coffee, there's a death. So I cleverly tied them together uh, as death before coffee. He must be getting his coffee at Tim Hortons. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty close. Actually, in, in one scene, he uh, he is at a Tim Horton-esque coffee shop, and, and someone like, drops dead behind him. Um, that, that's a little off-putting. Yeah. Uh, in, in another scene, he's, he's, he's working, he's, uh, he's a detective, he's, he's going to pop out of the office, grab a coffee, there's a call for someone who's going to uh, jump off the balcony. So he goes for that. So you, like, the guy never gets a cup of coffee. Well, is this, is this, is this, um, what are you saying in this then? What are you saying? Um, what is it, uh, <laughs> um, is it that he's got bad luck, wrong place at the wrong time? Like what's, what do you, what's the connection with all these people dying around him and he can't get coffee? Well, I, I, I think part of all of, you know, dying around him is that he's a, he's a cop and he spends a lot of time with homicide people that, that'll kind of add, add up the numbers of people that, that, that die around you, but yeah, he's just kind of that guy. He's he's kind of hitting hitting that midlife, not quite rock bottom, but that rocky-ish part where it's sort of bad timing, uh, bad luck, and he's he's got to kind of pull himself out. And he doesn't really pull himself out. Well, he can't because it's a series, uh, and that'd be kind of too bad if at the end it all resolved and everybody lived happily ever after. Well, yeah, but um, yeah, it's just. Uh, Death is everywhere, and 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 part of that was, uh, like, like as a cop, I mean, death was everywhere. That's kind of what we did, and you don't realize that for the rest of the world, it's uh, a unique experience. And so it was kind of neat to to do a book about a cop investing investigating homicides, and then to be able to kind of engineer it to realize that the rest of the world doesn't see life like a cop does. Well, with all this, you know, death and. He's kind of in the rocky bottom type thing. Is is would you consider this kind of like a almost like a neo noir, where bad things happen, seedy part of town. There's no, um, you know, um, nobody wins that that type of thing. Yeah, well, it's funny because I was thinking, yeah, this is kind of getting into the noir world, and then um, I was invited out to do this uh, noir at the bar uh, reading. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the kind of the gritty vibe, and it was pretty cool. And I listened to the other officers read, and I'm, like, totally vanilla compared to them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of gritty, but I don't, I don't think it's quite noir enough. So I was thinking of doing a noir series, but, I, I, but it's so depressing for me. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, like, this is dark and freaky. So it's kind of like noir light. Yeah, noir ask. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's starting a whole new subject. Yeah. Like Bud Light, you can have noir light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and it, it does tie back to the, the you know Jennifer Beale not doing her own dancing, right? Yeah, so it's like that in between. Is that where it went right. wrong for for the world? Do you think is that where when the United States started to fall apart was when she didn't do her own dancing? You know, that's that's a heavy a heavy burden to put on her, but I'm seeing it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's when we yeah. lost Tim Hortons. 
I can't find us <laughs> Tim Hortons in the States. My what, life. Wait, wait you, lo well, you lost Tim Hortons? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they closed them all oh. down. down <laughs> they didn't make it. Okay. Yeah. This this has been a bit too much. You know, I, I need I, I I don't know where I'm going to go with this. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually I'm 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 going to uh, um, a conference next week. Well, got yeah, to uh, a, a conference next week in the states, and, and now that I know there's uh, no Tim Hortons, I <laughs> I might have to rethink. Well, certainly I have to rethink my whole wardrobe. But yeah, I I well okay. Well, you're gonna, stepping back. You're going to have to uh, yeah maybe bring your own. To go. Yeah, I don't think the uh, airlines would have any problem at all with me bringing, like, <laughs> you know, containers of, of dark liquid. Yeah. <laughs> Into the U.S. Well. Yeah, across the border. I, is that a No, it's, a it, yeah, it's okay. You do, and you know okay. what? If someone stops you and they yeah. start saying something to you, just listen, Al said it was fine. Yeah. Well, you know, I was. Yeah, just as, throw as, my name as, as a guy who's yeah. As a guy who's written so many true crime novels, Al, I think if anybody would know, it'd be you. <laughs> and just just so, throw my name out there and <laughs> and say, listen, do okay. I need to call them? And okay. they'll just say, hey, not not a problem, sir. You got more? Bring more. Come on. <laughs> okay. And it's okay. okay. And um, and your Jennifer Beale spandex is fine. Don't worry. That 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 was going to be a surprise for the gala. Okay, well, that's all right. They, they, they okay. anybody that goes to Gallus is not going to listen okay. to this show. No, no, no. <laughs> Come on. No. You like going to these shows? Like, what show are you going to go to? Where, where, where are you going to? Uh, how come you're invited? Uh, I'm going to a, a conference. It's called Malice Domestic, um, which is uh, really it's it's. I, I just thought it was like a recap of my my last <laughs> marriage, but um, <laughs> apparently it's not. Um, Somebody's going to get really mad about that comment. It's going to it's going to bite me somewhere. I know it. Um, You'll be cancelled. Don't worry about the concert. Yeah, that, that's it. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's this conference. It's um it's it's for for people who like to to read crime fiction. Uh, you know, God love them, and which is great. And then some authors go. And I've never been, but it's supposed to be a big deal. It's supposed to be a big party, a big booze up. So you know, you can't lose. And so, what is it in? Where, what city is this one in? I I think it's in uh, Bethesda. Maryland, I think. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The, you know, I'm, I'm so in the know. All I know is I, I have a plane ticket. I'm going to get on the plane, hope it lands in the right place. They usually do. Uh, and then, you know, just get in the car to where I'm getting taken to and hope they take me to the right place. Very trusting soul. That's how trial traffic <laughs> happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I realize this is, a, this, is, this is a radio show, but I, you know, I, I don't think that I'm, you know, quite in that catchment group. So I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good. <laughs> um, although, you know, a friend of mine said, uh, you know, if we never hear from you again. We're good. Um, well, no, well, mostly that, yeah. Basically, it's, you know, uh, who's going to have a spare set of keys to your house so that we can go in and get out the good stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Taking all about five minutes. Do, do, you like, um, do you like attending those conferences and uh, reading your work in public? The reading, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a great reader, uh, I'm kind of a hooked-on phonics reader. Um, <laughs> and, like most, most writers, like, it's like, oh, I have read, you know, like, I read 15 books while I was just waiting to come on, you know, uh, uh, on your radio show. I'm a really slow reader, mm. um, so I, I'm a bit self-conscious. But I I love going to these conferences, and and it's again like a lot of writers are you know kind of antisocial and they like to kind of just you know hang out and by themselves. Um, but I I love doing all this PR stuff. It, it's a bit of an egomaniac thing, <laughs> but you know, I, I think we were talking about counseling before. Yeah. Uh, that's yes. in there. <laughs> 
Well, I need it badly, but <laughs> I don't think I can get it. I just said nobody will have it. Um, well, after, you've, after you've exhausted all of the pools of counselors, and, you know, I, I think then you're, you know, the therapists all talk. So Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've got a reputation. Use, yeah. Just use another name. I'll use Desmond. <laughs> I wouldn't use that. No, name. that's just just, yeah. just saying. Yeah. Usually it, uses Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's just when people yeah. are saying bad things to me, and I say, "Yeah, come see me. My name's Dave." Yeah, you send them to my house. Yeah, because <laughs> a group of them parked out right in front of my house. Yeah, they get picket signs and everything. Well, I mean, uh, you're bringing home the Flashdance 4K. Geez, yeah. No wonder they're standing. That's why they're up there. Wow. <laughs> so uh, so it takes you a long time to read. You're not a reader. Are you um, – how long does it take you to write one? Uh, but, uh, actually, I, I write, uh, according to my writer friends, I write very quickly. Uh, I, I guess that's a trade-off, right? You can, you can read or write which one do you want to do. Um, and I guess I got thrown in the writer thing, but really I take that from, um, 30 years of, of writing reports in, in police work where you don't have a chance to have writer's block, right? It's not like I, I can't write this occurrence because I'm just not in the zone, right? You go to a radio call, you're writing an occurrence, you're going to another radio call, right? So you get used to writing really, really quickly, and moving on to the next and not ruminating and moving forward. So now when I write, I sit down and say, think, I've got to write a chapter, boom, get it done. Hmm. And then that's it. Yeah, but how do you, my, how do you make it more? Because when you're writing reports, it's like even if I'm doing true crime, you're going out and you're meeting people and you're getting police reports and you're getting doctor's reports or you're getting all this stuff. But how do you make it? come alive because i'm sure your police reports were not uh, there wasn't a lot of the emotion or there wasn't a story so to speak they were stellar Al. <laughs> my police reports were literature they were art oh. no i you see that's the thing like you're writing true crime so there's all this uh research that has to go in and facts and all this stuff and it all has to be true when you're doing fiction You've got a lot of latitude, and even in like a police procedural, there's you know kind of restrictive. But I'm doing another series, um, which is sort of a traditional slash light light mystery, where like all bets are off. So you can just basically run with the story, and as long as it's vaguely believable, you're good to go. Right. But how, where do you where do you get the um, characters, the feelings for your characters and the emotion and the dialogue from when we all know that, you know, cops like yourself have no feeling. And, and <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't believe when we talked earlier we were going to talk about feelings and emotions. That would be quiet um, conversation. There would be nothing said. <laughs> no, but again, it's... Um, like with the characters, uh, because they're fiction, you have a lot of latitude. So you can just kind of let them run wild. Whereas, you know, when you, as you know, when you're doing true crime, you, you have to stay true to the voice, the, the dialogue that's provided through the documents you have. And it can be really, really hard. Whereas with the characters, you can, you could do whatever you like with them. Right. I just, I'm just trying to get to where you draw that from. Is this is this all you, or is this, you know, could it be from people you've experienced in your cop life? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it is, uh, you know, people I've worked with who, I mean, at the time I worked with them, I thought they were caricatures of themselves. And then being able to characterize them further is a lot of fun. Um, I mean, the uh, detective sergeant in, in my books, Amanda Black, is, is based on someone I've worked with and worked for in the past. And anybody uh, that I have worked with knows exactly who she is. Oh. And so it's... Um, and, and she knows who she is in, in the books, and she's so far she's okay with it because uh, she's a good character. And I'm, I'm imagining, though, if uh, I end up you know, making gazillions of dollars off of this series, that she might end up on my doorstep uh, asking for some kind of financial compensation. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just leave that for now. Yeah, what's her name and number? We'll get her on the line. <laughs> <laughs> are you that guy because you were a cop so long? Are you the one that will sit and observe people as well and, and kind of what their their details, their habits, the way they behave, and and do you do you still do that now? That sounds kind of creepy yeah. when you put it that yeah, way. No. <laughs> um, I I try not to, right? Because 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 you don't want to be that creepy guy. Um, <laughs> but I I notice that I will be looking at people, and then if I'm with somebody that's like, why are you staring at them? It's like I'm not staring. Um, but there is that you sort of notice things and. Also, having been a professional noticer for so long, you, I tend to see, not just me, but I think anybody who's, who's been in a law enforcement environment, um, you, you tend to see things other people don't see. I, I think, getting back to that therapy thing, I think they call that hypervigilance. Um, but you'll notice stuff other people don't. I, I try really hard not to see things in terms of threat assessments. Because I, I don't think that's healthy. No, no. But if you're like me, because I know that, you know, I'm out walking my dog every day early in the morning, and, and you know, the thing is I notice things. Like, uh, like for instance, I would pass this couple with a dog, and when I'm walking back, there's just her walking back home with the dog, and then I realized over a period of a week or so that he was driving his car up into this space, parking there and walking down to her place, and they're probably getting it on. And she walks him back to the car and backing it, so she's keeping it from her neighbors. She, so I'm, I'm watching all this. <laughs> she's keeping it real. She's keep, well, the thing is, you know, I, so I can see what's going on here, right? But, you see, I'm just that kind of guy. Not that I'm Snoopy, because I don't really care, except for I just notice things around me like that. That's kind of what I mean if you're observing those details. Well, you know, as you were saying this, I mean, where my mind goes, like, oh, a, a sex trade worker with a dog. That's a, that's a different kind of, right? His name was Satan, the dog. <laughs> do you think, um, you know, working, uh, you know, doing police work, do you think that kind of made you cynical in your personal life? I don't know if it's cynical or, like, but definitely warped. Um, <laughs> because you, you, like, anybody, anybody who's been in policing for any length of time has... Uh, you know, they call you know, gallows humor or whatever, but it, it is that really like finding humor in things that are really not funny. Hmm. Yep. Um, and I mean, I, I try not to be cynical, although I was just uh, I was out for coffee with a friend this morning and I said like, either I'm getting cynical or I'm becoming a grumpy old man <laughs> or a grumpy old cynical man. And, but really having to work against that I kind of like that. I, I, I myself, I like being grumpy, old, cynical. 
You know, <laughs> actually, and people complain about my humor being um, so dark when I do murder shows and stuff. But I think it's isn't it really a way of dealing with it? Yeah, I, I mean, I I always maintain that you know it's not me personally, so you don't have to write this down. But that that whole thing of you know of humor as a coping mechanism, and in policing, my thought was like always try and see the humorous side of everything you're doing, just because otherwise, you. I mean, I know I would get so bogged down. I mean, I'd I'd be I'd be drunk by the third call. Right. Except for the guy on the ledge when you're drinking his beer, you're already... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, again, I mean, it's, it's, it's also, you know, know your audience and hope it works. But, yeah, I mean, I get, I get this call, and the guy's, guy's going to go over the, the, the balcony, and I, I get there, and, um, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a seasoned beer drinker, <laughs> and I'm trying to engage him in conversation, and... I get that sense that he's not overly serious about jumping over, but he's just pissed off and had enough. And so I just turn my back to him, and I go over to his fridge, and I pull out a, a can of beer, and I and I open it. And he, he was like, I mean, I'm in uniform. He's absolutely stunned. And, and he's like, like, bye, what are you doing, bye? I said, I'm having a beer. Because it's my beer. And he was of a... Uh, a socioeconomic uh, situation where, you know, having three or four beers in the fridge was living high on the hog. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I, was like, I said, yeah, well, you know, you're, you're going to go over the ledge or you're not. And if you go over the ledge, I'm going to be here for a long time writing reports <laughs> and the coroner's going to have to come and all that. And so I might as well have a beer while I wait. And then, you know, once you go over the ledge, I can have the rest of the beers because I'm going to be here. Or you're going to get over the side, and you can have a beer with me. And fortunately, he decided not to jump, sat down, had a beer with me. And yeah, I'm, I'm really glad it worked out that way, because uh, had I miscalculated things horribly and he had gone over the ledge, uh, it would have been really hard to explain to the investigative <laughs> unit why I'm drinking on duty while someone is you know, jumping over the ledge. Yeah. All's well that ends well. Yeah. Well, were you able to work together? I mean, this was your partner that was doing this, right? Was this? <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> in the book, it was a partner, but but in real life, it was just some guy. <laughs> what What is it like this? This death before coffee. Do you want people to come away with it, kind of laughing or being happy or entertained? Like, what What is it you want them to have when they finish it? Well, it's it's a good story. It's actually it's it's based on a true story, um, and it's not true enough that I can call it true crime. But I was actually uh, you know, one of the one of the investigators that went to this homicide of this one-legged man, and in an alleyway, and he had no ID. And so you're thinking, like, how many one-legged guys can there be? Right. And ironically, <laughs> or not, there was a guy. There was uh, it was in a laneway. And on the other side of the laneway, there was a, a gym, like where people go to, to work out and stuff, just in case people don't know what a gym is. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I need to explain that. Um, but the guy who owned the gym was one-legged. And you're like, what are the chances that there were two one-legged guys in the same area at this given time? Um, but I, I don't really... I don't think I get into that in the book because people would say, no, that's too far-fetched. You have to take that out. But anyway, the, the idea is I want to give people a good story. Um, it's, it's not 
a difficult read. I'm, I'm trying to make it really accessible. And the main thing I think for any fiction is the characters. It is, is the, the, this, I want them to like the characters. I want people to walk away wondering what the characters are doing when they're not in the book. And I know that's a weird, uh, a, a weird request when you're reading crime fiction, but that's that's what I'm trying to create there. Like when I sit down, it's like you know, crime fiction. It's like okay, well, you know, or any crime, somebody commits a crime, uh, somebody solves it, the end. Well, I think that was what about ten words. Yeah. And and you know most most publishers want another sixty five to seventy thousand words. So what are you going to do with all those words? Drink coffee. Yeah, and hope <laughs> nobody dies. Well, you know the one legged guy used to be the other uh, fill in for Irene Cara or whatever her name. Was. <laughs> yeah, and then and then his his career just kind of dried up, and that was yeah. it for him. Yeah, he yeah. fell off. <laughs> his career dropped <laughs> off. Oh. Anyway, he got cut off. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, but, you know, is there characters, like, do you watch any kind of um, characters like Bosch or any of those that are on TV or have streaming series of other detectives or cops like that? That um, Because some of them are, are they, 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 they're quite unlikable characters. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of assholes in a way. At times, but yet they do well. Do you think? Do you ever think of trying that, or do you, it just doesn't isn't the way you write? Yeah, I mean, um, one of the, the in the Death Before Coffee, um, the main guy, Mike O'Shea, his partner Ron Roberts, is not likable. He's not quite an asshole, but he's asshole-ish. Right. Um, and there there is something about that unlikable protagonist that that is really appealing. Um, as the series goes on, it's not that Mike O'Shea becomes less likable, but he becomes sort of more of a burnout. Um, and I don't know if if that makes him unlikable or not, but he's not like the sort of anti-hero that like the Bosch guy is. Right. Well, I think it's okay to be kind of a, you know, an ass or an unlikable character as long as you know pretty much that they're going to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's its kind of like that, you know, heart of gold thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, okay, everybody hates somebody who does the right thing. But I just, and I just thought, well, you know, we'll just kind of spin this and see where it goes, see how the characters grow and stuff. And, and again, like Mike's character, Ron Roberts, like has very, very few people skills, doesn't care that he has very few people skills, and he's just kind of quirky, but nobody really likes him. But the more time you spend with him, the more he grows on you. Right. So, so you're saying, too, in, in this, you're saying that it's not really a hard-boiled noir-type thing. It's not, it's not hard enough for that. It is, do you have a lot of sex and violence in the pages, or do you avoid that? I go for a lot of violence. Um, I find writing sex really, really hard. And I think a lot of writers... Do. No pun intended and, on that word, I guess. <laughs> or, or, or maybe I'll leave it with you. Um, but I just thought I, it's not something I do well. I mean, write about it. Um, so <laughs> I'm just going to leave that to people who, who do. And I know uh, I've had some friends who write like the hard, hard-boiled noir. And I mean, it's like reading porn. Right. And it's like, well, like, 
you do this really, really well. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, when you get together and they're just, like, average people and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, let me just, you know, read you what I've just written. It's like, holy crap, like, is that where your mind goes? But, <laughs> but it does. They're probably wearing Not leather like any, underwear, too. And, they, you know, they, they probably have flash dance on a reel. <laughs> a loop. Yeah, and they run out to Best Buy and buy it in 4K. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> they wait for the launch day, launch day release. They're the ones waiting outside of the store to open. Lined up overnight. Yeah. The only person, of course. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the long trench coat. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I was wearing. Yeah, and the employees are scared to open the door. Is that guy again? Yeah. <laughs> Is that guy again? <laughs> what, but are you thinking about what violence you put on the page? Or, like, are you conscious of, of how violent you go or how you write violence in the book? Um, yes and no. I mean... I don't want to get into, you know, I could talk about gratuitous violence, but you know, violence is kind of gratuitous in the sense that, you know, realistically, one punch should have done. But, I mean, in real life, you know, adrenaline's going, all that stuff. So this is how, you know, people end up getting punched to a pulp. And, I mean, there's a scene, I think it's in Death Before Coffee, where uh, the detective sergeant, who's a woman, has a, a discussion with the accused. And he's pretty explicit with her um, in terms of what he wishes he would do to her and all of that sort of thing. But that's all dialogue I've heard on the job. I've, I've heard people in custody talk to female officers like that. So it's, I'm not making the... Oh, my. It up. Yeah, but you're in Canada. They don't talk that way. Well, we just finish by either saying A or if that's okay with you. And if they say no, then you go sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and, then, and then blush. <laughs> well, I just have to um, wonder then, how do you create your dialogue? Like, what do you, like are, you, are you a person that as you're going through the story, you set up the dialogue and you have your characters in your mind and you write that dialogue and then put together the story? Or does it come in after you've kind of set up, done outlined the story? Trying to hear the dialogue as I'm going, and again, I'm, I'm a little self-conscious now since we've talked so much about therapy and all that stuff, but it's kind of like <laughs> plugging in where I've got like a, maybe a paragraph or two of what has to happen in that chapter and which characters I think are going to be there, and then I just kind of start typing, and I think of things in an auditory way, so it's usually when I do my first draft, the chapter is pretty much all dialogue because they're just talking and they're just moving things along. Um, and then I have to go back and actually have them do something like stand up or nod appreciatively or something like that. But I, th I think in terms of dialogue and apparently I'm, I'm lucky because, or maybe I just, maybe it's the writer friends I know, but a lot of them say they struggle with dialogue Whereas I struggle with putting in the sort of the, the filler parts of of describing scenes and things like that. Whereas you're creating the story and you get the characters and you're, you're going through the dialogue, do, do the characters ever surprise you? Do they ever kind of pull you away from maybe the plot and, and, and where you're trying to go? Or, or do you feel more in control? Oh, no, no. They, they just run away. It's like, <laughs> it's like herding cats. And actually, um, one of the characters, I, I put her in um, the uh, Death Before Coffee, um, is Mike O'Shea's mom. 
And uh, she's like the, the typical Irish mother. And, and talking to my friends, apparently she's the typical Jewish mother, the typical Italian mother, the typical everything mother. Um, she moves in, and I put her in just to be like not even a secondary character, just sort of a, a little bit of comic relief. And then by the next book, she practically takes over the book. Mm. And it got to the point where her voice got so strong that I ended up uh, – writing another series, which is the the traditional light mystery series, where she's the amateur sleuth. So I had to get her out of the mic books and give her her own books. Wow. Just, yeah, because she was such a strong character, and she was overpowering this police procedural. <laughs> and it was like, it was not working. So where do you set this book? Like, is this a Canadian city, or is it, and how, in a setting and location, it real important to your stories? I, I don't specifically name places uh i mean i know toronto uh, is where I've, i'm born and raised is where i've lived my whole life uh, except for a few months but i mean this is all i know but i i don't use toronto landmarks things like that uh in part because uh, the advice i was given is that american publishers wouldn't be interested in toronto uh they'd want to relocate it to like chicago or new york or something like that and as a police procedural, I, I can't do that because our policies and procedures here in Canada are so different from what you've got going on in the States that it would change the whole whole vibe of the book. And, and then I'd have to do research and get hard. Um, so um, I try to be vague about it, but it's sort of in a big city and um, – there must be enough reference that people are picking up that it's in Toronto, but it's it's not like the location is is a, a character. Right. So you don't go that deep into it. So what do you got planned next after this um, comes out? It sounds like you're doing books pretty quickly now. Like, is that all kind of what you're doing? Yeah. I, um, I, I had self-published the first three Mike O'Shea books, and the story arc was six. And while that was going on, I, I got a, a publishing contract for the, the light traditional mystery series. And the caveat to that was that I couldn't use the characters from the light traditional mystery series for anything else. But then I said to the publisher, I've already kind of half got this series going and I really want to finish it. So they bought that series from me. So they're re-releasing the first three books in the Mike O'Shea series that I had already released. And I was just looking at my schedule, and I realized like at some point I'm going to have to stop basically you know, pulling books from my lower, my, my bottom cupboard to hand to them and write something new. Um, so the fourth book in the Mike series is coming out, I think, in the, the, the new, new one is going to be coming out at the beginning of, of 2024, I think. But the third book in the Mike series is coming out, I think in the fall of this year, and then the um, traditional series, which has been called the Point of Trouble series, is coming out, I believe, in August. So it starts then. But once we kind of get all organized, um, like in total, there's, uh, between the two series, 11 books coming out in five years. Wow. Sorry, that was a long answer. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's great. I mean, you're, you're going to be... Uh famous well you know i they might make a movie about me and then i would have a stunt double yes 
I definitely need a dance double. I can mm. tell you that now. Yeah. <laughs> Does any dance? Well, but Dave, you're available, right? Yes. I was just going to say that. Doubles. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. still okay, got both his legs. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got that part. I'll, <laughs> so I'll write that down. That's that's one less concern. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they've already made the movie Fletch, so I don't know if they. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do do you ever want your character to to be on the screen? Do you ever think about that? Well, um, I. I I can't talk about this now, but actually that might be something that's in the works. And it was like a total fluke. So if it ever kind of comes to fruition, I'm, I'm going to come back and, and tell you, and we'll, like, we'll laugh and laugh and laugh yeah. how that came about. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Well, I'd be a good it, person it, to play that lead. You know? Well, yeah, I, I, am, I am putting this all up, up here in my head thinking, yeah. That, <laughs> Don't put too much up there. There's only so much room, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I can only remember one or two things. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I've got to remember Dave to be my, my dance double. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think I maxed out. Sorry, Al. So you're going to have, like, a detective that has a dance step in there, routine? Well, you know, I, why not, really? Yeah. Flash you detective. Know, well, I'm liking it. Hmm. Hang on, let me write that down. This is an idea. Flash detective. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that would be great. And maybe Jennifer Beals can come back. She wouldn't do Flashdance too. <laughs> they offered it to her. Oh, no, really? It, yeah. It kind never of down her career, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's you're just mad because you didn't get to play the stunt double. Yeah. That's right. Well, that was career-ending for you, Dave. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was the end of it. Yeah, that was the <laughs> yeah, end. yeah it's really sad, you know. Yeah. Well, well, maybe she'll come back and do it now. Yeah. She should. Yeah. That would be kind of fun. So, Desmond, so where do people find you? you you're on uh, um, Tinder, um, Grindr? Like what? I was going to say in, in any, you know, reputable or otherwise pub. But, um, and, you know, feel free <laughs> to buy me a pint. I'm, I'm, I'm good that way. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, bookstores, street corner around the world. Yeah, street corners. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sam, do you have a website set up yet, or going, or what's going? I I do, I do. It's uh, realdesmondryan.com. Just because surprisingly, there's quite a few Desmond Ryans in the world, and surprisingly, there's like more than one or two that are actually very good academic writers. That's not me. Um, so website realdesmondryan.com. And I know your listeners are going to want to uh, uh, subscribe to my mailing list because on YouTube I have this Ask the Detective series where I do like a 60 to 90 second little blurb on cool and interesting uh, policing facts. At least I think they're cool and interesting. And I, I blast those out to people or they can just go on YouTube and check it out themselves. And uh, if they want to follow me on, on Twitter at uh, Real Desmond Ryan. Do police really eat donuts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but what do you, you don't have Dunkin' Donuts, so where would you eat them? Tim Hortons? I, you know, we used to have Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. I don't know if we still do. Um, um, country style, I don't know if we still, we probably do. Uh, Tim Hortons, man, I mean, I, yeah, Tim's. Um, I, 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 in, in Toronto, there's, there's actually corners of intersections where there's like a Tim's on every corner, and, and they're all making money. So, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? If it's, if it's really kind of a money money laundering or something going on, <laughs> oh, this 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 is heartbreaking now. This is there's been too much big news going on in this on this particular radio show. For me. I'm gonna have to have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go see the shrink now. Come on, 
you know. Yeah. Well, Desmond, we'll have everything up on the website, and if you're not arrested, you'll be uh, you'll be up in a week, and then you'll be out on tour. Actually, what I, I I'm thinking now, what I need is like a touring bus. Oh, hmm. yeah. Just like driving around the countryside in my touring bus. Kind of like the Parker's family. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was hoping for a provost bus as opposed to a, an old school bus, but nonetheless, oh, I'll just think about start. It. The Parker's family bus must be open because there's not a whole lot left of that family. So come on, think about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, All right. I'll, yeah. You can get a little I'll guitar and start, idea, yeah. you know, come on now. Get, get Motley Cruz bus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're fighting. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. I, well, you know, I'll I'll check and and see what's available. Yeah. Well, you know, anytime you need advice, you know where to come. I I do, man. I just to somewhere else. We've, yeah. <laughs> we've got you set up. We're going to have <laughs> the movie now with uh, O'Shea, and I'm playing it, and of course uh, Dave's yep. doing the dance doubles because there's yep. actually dance in it. It's a musical, yes. I guess. Um. <laughs> well, actually, I I just watched, uh, and it's it's an older, it, it's London Road the musical, and it's about uh, this community after uh, a serial killer killed five sex trade workers and how they react to it. And I thought, if you could do that into a musical, I'm I'm seeing the Mike O'Shea musical. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Singing and in you the might rain. Want to check into, yeah, you might want to check into some of those for your books, Al. No, because yeah. this London Road thing was like. A true case. Oh, that's my tip to you. I'm just, I'm giving you. This. Well, thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to get on it. They made Rocky into a musical. <laughs> Never of thought course. that would happen. Well, and no. of course, you were the one that went and saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you never keep. Yeah, he's always. Yeah, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> we really appreciate you being here, and uh, good luck on on your. Uh, any and the rest of the year any shows you do and, and anything else and hopefully your book uh does well oh thank you it was a it was a lot of fun and now i have to call my therapist yeah well, <laughs> and have a drink yes. maybe or not two. in that order or 10 <laughs> well thank you thank you thanks desmond you've been listening to the house of mystery radio show to find out more about our guests hosts all shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This is the production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.